0: Ladies and gentlemen, please listen carefully to the following announcement.
1: This is the final part of our Centered series, which means it's possibly the last time you're going to hear that little theme tune right there. Isn't that good? That was written by Andrew Gordon, who's um, part of us here. And rumor has it that I might be asked to write the next one. So I'm um, working on my synthesizer skills now, Adrian. Just, all, all it needs is a phone call. Um, we've, been, we've, been, um, we've been in a series called Centered since the new year. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed it. it. It's done me loads of good. And actually, I know that from speaking to a number of people, it's been the same for you too. I've been looking at what life can look like if Jesus really is at the center of it. And the reality is that uh, life is busy. it is full. and uh, there can be so many pressures and demands on our time or our money and our attention and on our diaries. And it can feel like you're spinning plates and trying to stop one from falling all the time. And that can be an exhausting way to live. And the reality is that everyone lives life centred around something. Maybe that's centred around your work. Or perhaps it's around money. Or perhaps it's around family or a relationship. Maybe it's around the weekends. You know, that's what I'm centering on, just the next weekend. Um, but actually, Jesus invites all of us to live a, a, an altogether more satisfying way. And to enjoy all the goodness of having Jesus, the son of the living God, at the center of our lives. This God of love who we've been celebrating throughout the worship. And how that produces just an altogether more sustainable and enjoyable way of living. And it's not just something for us as individuals, but for us as a community. So the buzzword over this series has been pause, center, continue as a regular rhythm to build into your life, into our lives, because we're not islands separated, but actually we're together. We're a family joined in Christ. So regularly we get to just pause, center, hang on, what's this all about? Oh, yeah, Jesus. Okay, continue. And then just keep doing that. So today I'm going to be concluding things by looking at living centered together in everything, everywhere, all the time. So it's a very small brief this morning, and um, not much to cover, Um, but... The truth is that for most of us, um, we don't spend the majority of our time in the four walls of the cricket ground or of each other's homes. Actually, the truth is that for most of us, the majority of life is lived out there, kind of in our workplaces or our communities or in our universities, in our neighborhoods, in our programs that we're on, all sorts of different contexts. We live very, very different lives, very diverse, all sorts of different locations. So you can look around and really, in one sense, we're all so different. You look different to me, you'll be glad to know. And your life is different to mine. And yet in another way, we're so very similar. If you've centered your life on Jesus, in a sense, there's so much similarity between my world and yours. And that's what I want to look at this morning. What is the commonality of us being centered in everything, everywhere, all the time. And actually, what we're going to do is, a little bit later, we're going to hear from two people who are going to share about what it looks like for them, their specific location, their specific activity. What does being centered mean for them? And you'll hear a little bit about me along the way as well. Uh, So it's going to be a bit different this morning. It's more of a seminar than a kind of hardcore preach. So um, just relax and enjoy. And we're going to cover three main headings. The first is being centered in our calling. And then if we get time, being centered in our identity and centered in our perspective, that's where we're going. But first of all, I thought it would be helpful for you to know a little bit about what does my life look like when I'm not in these four walls. So I thought I'd produce a slide. Um, so up in the top right corner here is my wife, Becca. And uh, seven years ago, we got married. And I married way outside of my league. <laughs> and I've enjoyed that ever since. She's. Absolutely gorgeous and lovely and uh, I love being married to Becca, so some of my activities being a husband. Uh, also, up there are my two girls, you've got Chloe Grace in the hat, who looks a bit like a gangster at this moment in time, <laughs> and definitely like she's done something she ought not to have done, and almost certainly had done something she ought not to have done. And then you've got Anna Rose in her pepper Pig swimming outfit, who just looks excited about going into the water, um, so I'm a dad, and that's a big part of my activity too. Um, down the bottom, bottom circle there is the Oasis Church logo. And I've um, been part of this adventure for about 12 years now. I loved it. it. God's done amazing things amongst us. And over the last 18 months, I've been working for Oasis Church on three days of the week. And do you know what? I really enjoy it. Uh, we've got a great team here. And um, I get to oversee some of the kids' work, uh, students in 20s, some small group staff. I get to speak in various locations, various settings. That's part of what my work looks like my employment. But the other part is this part in the top right corner here, which is that I'm a doctor. Uh, I work in a busy hospital, and I'm a registrar in acute medicine. So I am fairly similar to JD from Scrubs, if you've ever seen Scrubs. (laughs) I'd like to think I don't do quite so much daydreaming, but we'll see. So uh, my, my my work at hospital is very, very varied. Every day is very different. So one moment I might go from treating someone with a very bad pneumonia who's... Septic, got infection everywhere and needs to go to the intensive care unit, and I'm trying to stabilise them to get them there. The next moment, it's someone whose heartbeat's going all over the place, and I'm trying to make it make it regular. The next moment, it's breaking bad news to someone, to let them know that actually something, something's happened to their family, and we can't do anything about it anymore. And, and, and sometimes it's teaching students, and other times it's putting fingers up someone's bottom. This is the... Um, this is... This is, the, this is the good, the bad, and the ugly of being a doctor. It's as glamorous as that. Um, that's what I do. And do you know what? You, the British people, pay me for it. So the joke's on you. Um, and uh, and this, this middle photo is a, it's a photo of a lecture. And that's because I also do some teaching in medical school, I teach medical ethics. Um, part of which is what to say and what not to say, um, and, uh, and so I get to do that, and that's great fun. Uh, here on the, the left-hand side is a picture of the Arsenal football team, I know you're all interested about that. Um, I, in my spare time, I play football on a Monday night, really enjoy that. And I also support Arsenal Football Club, which is uh, painful because Arsenal have a habit of giving you enough hope to think we might win something and never, ever deliver on the hope that you've <laughs> invested. And so it's heartbreaking. But we might get Champions League. Um, and then in the bottom right corner is a picture of a cake, because I really love cake. And quite possibly the best programme ever to hit our screens with the Great British Bake Off. And um, decided that Becca would really enjoy having a cookbook of the Great British Bake Off a couple of years ago. And I've enjoyed that ever since. So um, that's a little bit about my activity. That's what my life looks like. <laughs> um, but you know what what is it that actually unites all of those different areas all of that activity well it's an empty cross which is going to come up now and a risen savior and a wonderful god who has issued me an invitation to center my life on him and i've accepted it and it's great it's really great and it involves all of that and do you know what nothing's more sacred than the other My Oasis Church isn't my holy day. No, 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 that's all my days. Every moment. It's an offering to God. It's all his now because I'm him. I'm his. And so Colossians 3.23, it's coming from the screen, says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, you're doing it for him that's how you'd summarize that passage and therefore whatever you do it's got immense value it's got immense purpose and it's got all sorts of opportunity connected to it when Paul first wrote those uh, words he's actually writing specifically addressing people whose job was to work in other people's households as a servant um, Commonly called slaves back then. You know, this is the type of work for people that he was addressing. He was saying, "Your work immensely valuable because you're serving the Lord, not just men." But the truth is that those verses are applicable to all of us, irrespective of our daily activities. It doesn't matter if you're employed or not employed, if your majority of your time is at home or outside of home. It's an amazingly centering verse, and it does it in three ways. So let's first of all look at how it centers our calling. And I'm going to spend the majority of the time in this, and if I don't get anywhere else, that's okay. Um, I think there are quite a few misconceptions about this idea of calling. Um, the question, what is my calling, can be really helpful. Okay, it can cause you to pause and to center on Jesus and to ask, what skills do I have? What maybe qualifications, what opportunities do I have? And therefore, how are they best invested in order for me to do everything for loving the Lord, not for men. So it can be really helpful. And actually, I think Lucy's going to share a bit later about how we can think that way. But it is possible, particularly in Christian circles, for it to become something we get so uptight about that actually it becomes really unhelpful and stifles you. I think there are three common mistakes about the concept of calling. One of them is that you think calling is so narrow that you might miss out on it at any moment like as if God's plan for you is so fragile that don't do anything in order to not miss out on the thing that he wants for you to do you kind of live in this perpetual state of fear what's my calling what's my calling what's my calling You know, I can't take that job in Sainsbury's because I might miss out on God's plan Um, and a friend of mine was telling me about a chap they were talking to a couple of years ago and he was a a lad in his 30s who was a perfect you know nice guy still living at home didn't have any job wasn't looking for a job, wasn't studying, wasn't doing any volunteering. Uh, was in perfectly good health, but just didn't know what his calling was. So he's sitting around and waiting for God to tell him <coughs> when's my calling going to be made known to me. And he was so scared about missing his calling that he wasn't doing anything for fear of missing his calling. That's a really sad way of living. That's not what God has for us. So that's one misconception. The other misconception is that calling is about ministry. Okay, when we talk about calling, we're talking about church stuff not about the more usual things that we get involved with. So I might be called to lead worship. Yes, but I'm not going to be called to play football. That's not true. No, that's narrowing God into such a tight box. It's bringing our microculture into the way that God might speak to us, actually. That's a misconception. Calling is much bigger than that. And thirdly, we can sometimes get into thinking, if I'm not loving every single moment and enjoying every project that I'm involved with, then perhaps that's not my calling. Actually, that's not true. There are times when there's all sorts of challenges, you're not enjoying it at all, and yet you still might be in the center of God's will. So those are some misconceptions. You see, calling isn't necessarily about lightning bolt moments when God directs you into a certain activity without a doubt, and you're on cloud nine ever since, even though it gets tough at times. That does sometimes happen. It definitely sometimes happens. happens. But it doesn't always happen. In fact, it's not that common. Some people just know they are called into, say, politics. William Wilberforce, called by God to abolish slavery. Wonderful. And other people just happen to find themselves in a job because they've kind of got the right skills and they need to pay the bills and um, they've just found themselves that way. And you know what? God uses both the extraordinary and the ordinary to put us in the right place, to do what he calls us to do. The, both the specific and the general call. Both of those... Are biblical, So let me give you an example of that so you know I'm not just making this up. In Exodus 31 in verse 1, it tells us about a guy named Bezalel. Okay, very cool names they had back then. It tells us that God specifically called this guy named Bezalel and filled him with intelligence and craftsmanship and artistic flair so that he could work with gold and linen and wood, creating the tabernacle. That's the tent of God where where God's people would come and worship him. Okay, so this was an unmistakable commissioning from God. This guy was filled with all sorts of creativity to go and make the tent of God. I'd love to have seen what he dressed like. He must have been ever so cool, this guy Bezalel. All sorts of divine artistry. But however, although that was an unmistakable commissioning from God, it's absolutely the case that at least as many people don't have such a specific call, and it's much more general. And verse 6 of Exodus 31 gives us that example too. Just five verses later. So it tells that (coughs) God put around Bezalel able men who could help construct the tabernacle. Seems like they were men with just a much more general ability to make it happen. It doesn't seem to matter if they were involved with wood, metal, or linen, if they were doing the designing or the implementation. They had a more general call which would fit in with their skills and with their passions and with their availability it's still just as important a call, building the tent of God. It's just it was more general. God speaks to us in both ways. And that's been true of me. I can't really tell you how I became a doctor. I mean, I, I mean there's lots of work involved and you know, years of study and all of that. But I, I, I can't really say, how did I fall into medicine? I, I enjoyed sciences. I really enjoyed being around people. I felt like I could you know, communicate with people and that was all right. Um, and... So I ended up doing medicine, and actually, I've loved it ever since. It's been great. Whereas when I started working for Oasis Church, that was on the back of a really specific call from God. There was a number of ways in which God spoke to me, sometimes through other people, some people that knew me, some people didn't know me at all, and there was just this real word from God. Um, also through just an impression that I was living with, and through doors opening in both medicine and in church life to make that happen. It's a real specific call. God wasn't in one more than the other, though. I'm telling you, God has been in both, and I've seen that. It's been demonstrated through all sorts of ways in which God has met with me and through me with other people in both settings. So there is a common call which encompasses both styles in which that call comes to us. And that's a call that we all have in common. I know what your calling is. okay? It's just the same as mine. And Jesus describes it in Matthew 22, in verse 37. it says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. That's your primary calling. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What are we called to do? You are called to, I'm called to, enjoy loving God with everything. And enjoy loving people with everything. Love God, love people in all you do, all the time. The specific outworking of that will look different for, for different ones of us, depending on what skills we have, depending on where we're positioned, depending on the stage of life we're at. But the call is the same, and it's an amazing call. It really is. Firstly, you call to love God, to live every moment with Jesus at the center. Can I tell you, there is no more satisfying way of living than understanding that everything is about him and receiving of his love and enjoying loving him back. He's so easy to love. If you'll just commit to seeing him more, He's lovely in every way. Bible, we've been celebrating. The Bible presents Jesus, this God man, who was poured out for us on the cross, emptying himself for us in order to give us his life and take away our death, give us his purity, take away our impurity, give us himself and his very status with the Father God so we become children of God. He is wonderful. He was poured out for us. And so now, he's given God to us. Gus reminded us, the temple curtain was torn when Jesus died, which means there's no dividing now. There's no division. It means we get to live in the presence of God always, all the time, everywhere. And so everything is worship now. Everything. All of our activities lived out in the context of God's presence and therefore poured out to him. There's no sacred-secular divide. Worship isn't in a set location, set activities, set times. No, it's everywhere, every activity, all the time. That's wonderful. What does that look like for you? I'll tell you what it looks like for me on Monday morning when I get up, and that's my day off, and I take the girls swimming. Splashing around, that's a moment of worship. It's it's all lived out in relation to God. On a Monday night, when I uh, rise above the opposing defenders and nod the ball in the back of the net, it's a moment of worship. It's all for him, okay? On Tuesdays and Wednesdays, when I'm in the Oasis office, every meeting that I'm part of, every person I meet up with, every event that I organize, every talk I prepare, that's all worship, directed to God. When I'm on a ward round, every patient I see and diagnose and the, every management that I start, is all worship. It's all lived down the context of who Jesus is and what he's done. I can even put a needle in someone's spine to the glory of God. The lumbar puncture of love. it's It's all worship now everything always all the time there's no division it's a wonderful way to live whatever you do work at it with all your heart it's working for the Lord it means that you can say on Monday morning when you look at your to-do list every opportunity is an opportunity for worship doesn't matter if you're looking after the kids job hunting studying if you're in employment if you're on a recovery program Every time you, you have a to-do list every day, you look at it and say, okay, opportunity for worship, opportunity to encounter God, opportunity to be with him. It all is now. All is worship. It's wonderful. In him we live and move and have our being. That's what Paul tells us in Acts 17. It means we can say with David, this is a day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, irrespective of what I'm doing or where I am. St. Augustine, the great church father said, love God and do as you please. If you get that first bit right, then all that you do will honor him, if it's loving him. So we're firstly called to love God. Secondly, to love people. Do you know what? In all our activities, we are called to love people. And in fact, you can't love God without loving people. Two go hand in hand. God loves people. So God has designed it so that in our work and our activities, his love and provision is communicated to people. Often without us even knowing about it. So let's talk briefly about employed work. You know, nearly every form of employed work, nearly every form, is actually a means by which God can communicate love and provision to people. Martin Luther was instrumental in helping the church to understand this. Okay? He, he, he described that you and me are often like the masks of God in our daily business. Let me give you an example. We I uh, heard Vince was praying about it earlier. We, we we often Jesus encourages us to pray. Give us each day our daily bread. Let's take it in its most literal form. It means give us you know we need something to eat to survive. So give us each day our daily bread, and and God loves to meet those needs, and He can give us miraculous manner like He did for the Israelites. But more ordinarily, how does He do that? Well, He uses the hands of the farmer who sow the wheat and gather it. And then there's a producer who makes it into flour. And then there's a baker who shapes it into bread and bakes it. And then there's, there's a shop assistant who becomes the masks of God because she orders it or he orders it in such a way that I know where to find the bloomer that I'm after. And then there's the person on the till that enables me to buy it. And then when I get in my car, there's someone who's made this road. And the road is such that people can actually drive along it. And it's not too bumpy. And, and someone made the car in the first place, an engineer and a mechanic, so that I can drive home. And then someone made my home. You know, there was a, an architect and there was a builder who put the bricks and water together. All expressions of God's provision of love to me so that he could give me each day my daily bread. It's the usual way in which God uses us. So, if you're a doctor, what's your first calling within that being a doctor? What's your first expression of loving people? It is trying to do the best you can to bring cure or to bring freedom from pain. If you're a teacher, what's your primary calling? It is to impart knowledge and to help uh, your pupils to, to grow in the world. All these different things. You know, we are called, yes, to share the good news of Jesus at every opportunity and to do good wherever we do by being the masters of God. What does it look like for you to be the mask of God? Let me tell you what it looks like for me. A few weeks ago, I was treating someone in hospital, an elderly gentleman who was dying. He um, had a number of different medical problems and was in his final few hours, probably. And I was called to go in there to see him and to see what could be done for him. So I you know, had a thorough look through the history, looking at, okay, what are these guys? What's this guy's needs? How can I meet them? Just felt that I should pause center and um, go in and just take him by the hand and just smile so i went in he had an oxygen mask in his face and i just took him by the hand and just smiled at him and he took the oxygen mask off and just in a really weak voice looked at me and said i like your face no one's ever said that to me before (laughs) he said i like your face and we spent some time together He was asking me, am I dying? I talked to to him a bit about that. This was a moment of being the mask of God. A moment of God is called the comforter. He used me in that moment. I can tell you so many stories like that. It, It will look different from you. And yours are as valuable and as honorable. Because God puts us in places to be the masks of God. Do you know why this is so important? precisely because it gives value and honor to every form of work you cannot look at the person next to you and say god values your work more than mine you can't even if you're if you're not employed you can't say god values the employed more than no no no. all activity is worship an opportunity to meet with god all activity is mission an opportunity to love people it means you don't have to look over your shoulder and wish you were someone else no god knows you he loves you god knows the skills he's given you you might think well, i haven't got much you few loaves, few fish, 5,000 people fed. God just does these things when we're just willing to be used by him. So Spurgeon puts it like this. He says, This grants significance to the weary routine of earthly employment and sheds a halo around the most humble occupations. To wash feet may be servile, but to wash his feet is royal work, and that's what you're doing. To, To untie sandals is poor employment, but to unloose the master's shoes is a princely privilege the shop, the barn, the kitchen, the workbench become temples where men and women do all to the glory of God. Then divine service does not take place for a few hours in a few places, but all life becomes holiness to the Lord and every place and thing as consecrated as the tabernacle and its contents. This is what Jesus has done for us. This is the wonder of being united to him. Everything's worship, loving God. Everything's mission, loving people. So that's where we're at. Centered in our calling. Briefly. Then we're going to hear from other people. How do we stay centered in our identity then? Well, while our activity is of such high importance, it's not the sum of who we are. That's so, so important. Sometimes for all sorts of reasons, we find we can't do anything. Does that mean our value is gone? No, 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 no. No. See, people often live with this idea that they are defined by what they do. Um... An opening to any conversation with someone tends to be, hi, what do you do? I do that all the time. It's not, we don't mean anything by it, but yet, yet subconsciously can be like, we're defined by you know, what we do. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that, and he was a preacher in the 20th century who was also a doctor. He said that of most of my colleagues, the thing that could be written on their gravestone was, born a man, died a doctor. Now, they so took on their identity by what they did. The thing is, if you do that, then you'll flit and float between pride and despair. Things go, well, yes, look at what I did. I'm the man, or I'm the woman. And and often you bring that into other scenarios and other contexts. It's like, you know, I'm a a teacher and I got an outstanding from Ofsted. No one gets outstanding from Ofsted, but I did. So you come on a Sunday and think, oh, I wouldn't teach like that. I wouldn't get an outstanding. You can be puffed up. But equally, you can go... flattened down to despair. Uh, Two years ago, I was doing exams to be part of the Royal College of Physicians. I mean, if that doesn't puff you up, what does? And the exams seemed to go really badly. And to be honest, I had a little kind of mini breakdown. I just couldn't think straight for two weeks because I was just so gutted and annoyed with myself. I realized that so much of my identity had become about being a doctor and being a success. Despair. Just needed to remember who I am. Who am I? 1 John 3 verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. My identity is I'm a child of God, belong to Jesus, and out of that security flows everything I do. That's all I want to say for now Um, about being centered in perspective. That's really about understanding if Jesus is your boss, i.e. do everything for him, that enables you to do everything with excellence and with integrity, but also to rest at the end of the day that he accepts you and he loves you and he approves of you, even when you have an unreasonable earthly boss. Okay. But what I'd like to do is to hear from one or two other people about the context in which they work and how they remain centered in that. And the first person uh, I'm going to introduce is Lucy, who's a teacher. She's going to tell us a bit more about her. Why don't we give Lucy a round of applause <laughs> as she comes up to speak to us?
2: Can you hear me yes, yes. good but well, I'd like to start off just by sharing a verse from Ephesians which I'm hoping might appear up here thank you very much um, it says for we are God's handiwork recreated in Christ Jesus that we may do those good works which God predestined for us that we should walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live This verse leads me to believe that there are good works for each of us in every part of our lives that God has uniquely planned for each one of us to do. Um, I'm an English teacher at Girls Comprehensive Secondary School with an intake of predominantly Muslim pupils. I believe that God has called me to this particular profession and this particular school as my unique expression of Oasis Church, loving God and loving people. I'm going to talk for about five minutes. Firstly, about how I came to believe that. Secondly, how I stay sane day to day. And thirdly, um, a couple of sort of highlights of the last fortnight or so. So, firstly, how did I get to a point of being so convinced that I'm meant to be in that place? Um, four years ago, um, when our youngest child was about three I was seeking God about what to do next I had both actually and sort of mentally left teaching behind when we had a family because I couldn't see how such an all-consuming career would really fit with church commitment family and the unique challenges of being married to Adrian (laughs) and round about this time I came across a book um, slightly patronisingly entitled, Can I Have Them Do It All, Please? But it does contain some really helpful questions, um, which, again, I'm hoping some might appear up here. There are 15 questions for um, anyone to ask themselves if they're thinking, well, what am I supposed to be doing? And I revisit these from time to time. Anyway, so I read these questions with an open mind. Number one asks, uh, what is it that I've been good at since an early age? I thought, oh, I think it's probably teaching. Number two, what do others look at me doing that would be hard for them but is effortless for me? I think it's probably secondary school teaching. Number three, what is it that I consistently find myself sharing about or helping others with? I think it's probably teaching. Yeah. Anyway, so to cut a long story short, apart from question 15 which asks, where are you supposed to be? And I already knew that was Birmingham. I was reading through these questions and I thought, oh, I think I'm meant to go back to teaching. I could feel the Holy Spirit on me. My heart was pounding, my mind was buzzing, my fingers were tingling. The resounding answer to my question, what am I uniquely here for, was to teach. Later that day, I shared these thoughts with Adrian. He said, cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) LAUGHTER Um, Since then, he has been entirely supportive of me as we have sought together how to work this out and found peace in knowing that we are on exactly the same mission that is worked out totally differently day to day um, in expressing the love of God for people in Birmingham. Over the past four years, through a variety of extremely strange circumstances, my role has changed quite a lot and now I'm a full-time English teacher with a little bit of extra responsibility Um, Like all secondary school teachers, I have quite a lot of pupils I look after. This year, I teach 120 girls every week and also have a form group of 30 recalcitrant year 10s. Um, I chose that form, I asked for them, because they're not particularly well-liked in the school and I love reminding them every morning, I chose you, you should therefore obey me. (laughs) It really, really irritates them. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, one girl in my form shouted at me, why do you care about me so much? I thought that was quite a triumph. Yeah, so that's the sort of background. Secondly, how do I stay sane and focused and centred on Jesus Day today? Um, I think it would be fair to say that Monday to Friday, life is a little bit pressured. And the first thing I find helpful to remember is that I have chosen to work at that particular school. There are other places I could work. There are other jobs I could do. There are other things I could do to fill my time. But as I walk into the entrance of school each day, I remember that I have chosen to be there. Therefore, I choose this place, these people on this day. And I think that translates into relatively positive outlook most of the time. Secondly, really importantly, I can only keep doing this because of the amazing support that I have from Adrian, my children, the in-laws and my friends in church who know the ups and downs and the daily struggles. My small group have been amazing. Loads of you pray for me constantly and stand with me. So you guys know who you are. Thank you. Um, thirdly, last summer, I felt God speaks to me very specifically about staying at my particular school and him using me there. Since September, not everything's been perfect, but I, f- I feel like I've been more able to be myself. Um, I got random promotion in a corridor that I wasn't expecting. Um, most excitingly, my lovely friend Zoe from work has joined Oasis Church. Yay! <laughs> um, so it feels like God. I can really see God using um, me there. Um, so, to finish off, I'd just like to give you um, a snapshot of three highlights in the last fortnight. First of all, I had an opportunity to love the head teacher. That's a real challenge. Um, I had bought some flowers for the head of English, who's an old friend, much loved colleague, and I thought they might cheer her up. As I arrived at school, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me they're not for her, given to head teacher. I didn't want to do that, um, but I did, reluctantly. Um, the head was genuinely overwhelmed and stunned by what to me is quite a simple act of kindness. It was an incredibly awkward hug between two not very tactile people. <laughs> <laughs> um as well as I think that blessing hurt, it really convicted me about, am I only going to love the people who I actually kind of click with and like, or am I going to love everybody? Um, so that was good. Secondly, I had an opportunity this Monday to be kind to colleagues. I had to deliver some nonsensical training to staff. And as I was preparing for it, I really felt like what teachers need most is cake and a bit of love. So, um, I took in some cakes, gave them out, and in the first few minutes, just asked people to reflect on why you're here, what's brought you into teaching, tell us a good, funny story. And um, at the end of that session, um, one lady shed a tear, she said she'd been so despairing, and she couldn't believe she'd been given a cake. A new member of staff said she felt really welcome to the school. Um, A guy who's quite cynical said at least the cake stopped him from swearing while I was talking. And this, this is Adrian's favourite. One lady said, ''It's amazing, your session really allowed me to pause and central mind I'm a teacher, and now I can continue.'' <laughs> <laughs> OK, finally, this is my, my favourite thing that's happened recently. Um, year 11 pupils have to give a short talk now for GCSE English. And some of my class were think, struggling to think of what subject they could talk about, because they can choose, and that's quite tricky for some people. A girl asked me what had I spoken about when I did GCSE, and I hesitated because I wasn't sure what had happened after I said this. Well, I spoke about Jesus. No way. Did you used to be some sort of proper Christian then, miss? <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, I sort of am still a proper Christian. <laughs> ah. Then followed a series of questions. Remember, it's a predominantly Muslim school. Is that why you're always saying hallelujah? Yeah. Is that why you always bring us chocolate fingers on a Friday? Yep. Yeah. Is that why you don't shout at us, miss? Yeah. Then a different girl piped up from the back. She said, I'm going to talk about Jesus. My Nan would be made up if I talked about Jesus. She's always going on about Jesus. (laughs) And other people, well, why? What does she think about Jesus? What's so great about him? At this point, the whole class was listening. Well, says the people, she reckons Jesus is some sort of role model. He inspires everyone. And he died for everyone or something. Oh, right, I don't, under, don't really understand. Well, she said, He died for your sins and then He rose again so you can be forgiven. Oh, okay. All right, said this girl. There's a moment of quiet while we all thought about this, and I thought, I'm not sure this is really allowed. <laughs> then she said, Miss, can you tell me more about Jesus? I sadly, I had to say I can't just now, because there are issues around proselytising in the classroom, but what an amazing moment. I ended up inviting the whole class to come to Oasis any Sunday they fancy to find out more, so we'll see. So finally, in the hardest moments of school, this is my prayer, which I also think is up here. Thanks. Thanks. This is this is kind of my constant prayer, really. God, you placed me here. Not everything that happens here feels like it's actually good for me, but I do believe that everything I do here is good for this school, and that's my unique expression of loving God and loving people.
1: Thank you. Just wonderful, isn't it, to hear what it looks like? And the thing is that that's. Lucy's expression of our story as a church as we all combine in loving God loving people it looks different brilliant to hear from Lucy we're going to get to hear now from um Rich Betts who works in a slightly different field so Rich do you mind coming up is that okay let's give Rich a round of applause yeah.
0: Oh, well. <clears throat> um
1: we're going to have a bit of a uh, conversation up here, so just listen on in, really.
0: Um, hello, Rich. All right, I'm going to think twice before I shake hands with you now. After what you said earlier. <laughs> okay, Oh, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so, Always sorry. wear gloves. Always <laughs> wear gloves. So, um, so, uh, so, um, sorry. Sorry. All right, let's pause. Centre. Yeah, Centre. Yeah, um, <laughs> so what... Um, rich what 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 does your um working life and your activity often look like
0: um it's sort of uh well i call it budget and scarper but it's sort of uh, cars and d i y and bits of gardening and okay. stuff um nothing special gardening just tidying up gardening. but that's the Well, you, s- I mean,
1: you did erect the fence in my garden, which yeah. is pretty special, actually. Yeah, I, I managed to... <laughs> I, I still stands. I was yeah.
0: learning on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Great. So you, you work with your hands a lot and doing kind of with cars. Yeah. And yes, yeah. yeah. Great. Do you enjoy it?
0: Yes, most of the time, except when I get seized bolts and things. But yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Do. I don't
1: know anything technical, really, about work, working with my it's hands, so it's seized it's bolts, it's I wouldn't know what that it's is. Not, it's
0: not... That's only when rust gets on <laughs> stuff and you okay. can't... There's ways around it, <laughs> usually. Cool. Um,
1: and how how is your work for you, Rich, an opportunity to love God?
0: Um, sometimes I find more of a flow. If I know why I'm doing it, if I've got it squared in my head, mm-hmm. I can feel a flow, sometimes more than others. Um, and it depends how anxious I've been before yeah. or if I've got yeah. a job because I've got myself so back to work and I'm always a bit like, oh, I've got to do this and... It, uh, sometimes other things drive me, but generally w- when I feel uh, something, some, some really feel got a flow in it, I think, yeah, this is this is kind of like I'm, I'm, I'm on the flow of something from God. Yeah, that's cool. They explain it very well, but that feels great. like something, I get, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah,
1: yeah. And do you see, Rich, any similarity between kind of what you do with your work and kind of some of the work that God does <laughs> in lives and in the world?
0: Um, well, I know he likes to get... I know he likes to get his hands mocky. And yeah. He's got his hands mocky involved with me and sort of, yeah. Out. So it's great. It's like, um, yeah, yeah. That's amazing,
1: isn't it? So from right at the very beginning when God created everything, he took the dust and he got his hands dirty and oh, he yeah. made us. yeah, yeah, And you're doing the same type of thing, but with cars.
0: Yeah, probably, yeah, and yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. That's great, that's yeah. great.
1: And how, how is your work for you about loving people?
0: Um, Say, so sometimes I get an identity of flow in it. And I know that's, Lord, all the times if I'm driven by my own pressure or I forget why I'm doing it and I lose the sort of sense of, well, why am I doing this? Because I'm doing it, because I'm doing it. Oh, no. But when I get that square in my head and my heart, then I get the flow then. And and I tend to, I I step back a a little bit in myself and I get like, oh, I'm actually, I'm not on my own doing this. Because sometimes there's a sort of belief part of me that goes, oh, it's just me doing this. Yeah. And um, um, when I kind of come to myself a bit, sometimes after I've been struggling for a while, I go, going yeah. to a minute, yeah, yeah. I know what I'm doing. I'm not actually, I'm trying to do all this. And yeah. I, I, I kind of let God come and help me a bit more with this. It yeah. seems daft because it's like practical things, but like, um, yeah, I think there's something in that. I don't know how it works, but it does. So, yeah.
1: Well, I think one of the ways is that I know often when my car has been in trouble... I've been stressed
0: yeah I get stressed in myself sometimes (laughs) (laughs) as (laughs) well. yeah yeah.
1: so so I guess one of the ways you love people is that you relieve some of the stress that copes with things not working so well yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah. and I love taking the mystery of it out for someone else doing it or showing someone else it's not as bad as it seems sometimes
1: that's an amazing gift isn't it to be able to almost teach as you fix so that's amazing and how do you I mean all of us find it Difficult at times to say centred, but at other times reap the benefit where we yeah. do kind of get a wind of it. How do you find that, Rich? Uh,
0: if I'm not, if I'm driven by pressure, I'm getting getting better at recognising when I've not done it. And probably because of the phrase, that poor to continue thing, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, that's just a phrase, I haven't done that, have I? I think, oh, what I've not done is I think, you oh, know, I need to come back to it. Yeah. So I'm getting a bit better at recognising when I've not done it because I'm usually, like, st- stressed out my tiny a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. people that know me, I'm a bit anxious like that anyway. But I think yeah. tend to, um, yeah, I'm getting better. At, and I think I'm I kind of really glad the Lord's kind of stayed with me to help. Me to yeah. t- <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not given up because it's been waiting perhaps a long time and I've still got a lot more to do with it with that. But, um, yeah, that's... That's wonderful. I'm explaining very well. I'm not. not no, no, you no, have. Not you've explained it excellently because, Let's, you know, um, I think
1: often the first stage of progress is recognizing what do we need and yeah. then we can move into that more. And it's like, for me, I find when I need to pause and center and continue, the recognition of that is actually God's grace and helping me to move
0: forward in it. Yeah. So I, oh, I think yeah. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, that's something you yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Rich, it's been brilliant to hear from you. Thank you oh, so much. Great. And thank you for all the fixing you've done. wasn't that just superb? It's just, you know, very different fields of work, equally though, used by God to love God, to love people. And there's the key in it is we stay centered. It's like, you know, oftentimes we find we're not, and that's opportunity to pause and to center and to continue. Um, I wonder what it looks like for you. What's your context? What's your activity? Um, What I'd like us to do is actually get a moment now to pray. Even as we, can conclude this part of the series. In a sense, we're continuing it because we're looking at Centred on Easter. What better way to continue? Um, but what I'd like us to do is to stand now and I'd like you just to pray for us. And um, so why don't we stand? <laughs> In just a moment, we're going to invite opportunity to respond. Perhaps for you, work is not very fun at the moment. You now delighted that Lucy was able to share because I know that um, teaching at the moment is not often that fun it's very pressured it's all sorts of top-led things that are coming through Um, God's with you and actually this is a great time for you to be in teaching (laughs) really great time although sometimes it's tough I know that that, that's true of many of my medical colleagues. I know it's true for many of you whose jobs I don't fully understand, but God knows fully. wants to meet with us, wants to commission us again, wants you to understand you're placed where you are in order that you might love God and love people. That's your calling. So I'd love for us to get to pray for a few in a minute. So um, what I'll do is pray for us all, and then we'll, we'll stop. Kids can be collected. And if you'd like specific prayer, maybe it's to do with a particular area of your work, I'd love you to come forward and the prayer team will be here to pray for you. Why don't we just close our eyes, let's just lift up our hands to God. This is just, again, a pause moment, that's all it is, just to say, Lord, you're in control. Jesus, I want to thank you so much for your complete work for us. I want to thank you that because you've declared it is finished, it means that our tiresome, restless struggle is over means that we can we can relax in the love of God we can relax in the wonderful saving work of Christ I want to thank you so much for that Jesus I want to thank you that there's no person here that's unknown to you I think that there's no person here whose activity whether employed or not whether at home whether out, outside is not valuable thank you that everyone is intrinsically valuable placed in your particular purposes and plans. Your handiwork, as uh, Lucy read out, in order to do the work you've prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you that the overriding call, Lord, is that we love you and we love people. Thank you you make things so simple for us because we have a tendency of making it so complicated. Just ask, Lord, that you come and rest now. I pray you come and give people strength and faith and vision for their place of mission and of worship. <coughs> pray, Lord God, that you'd help us to keep connected, understanding we're together. This isn't our isolated, no one understands me part of life. This is actually our everyone's welcoming on this because we're all united, a family. I pray, Jesus, you would come and relieve stress bring faith, deposit dreams and visions, and that your name would be glorified. We are delighted to pause and center and continue in you. Thank you for this series, Lord. Thank you for the difference it's made. Thank you that's all to do with you. It's not to do with anyone else. Just pray God you'd help us to live in this goodness. In your name. Amen. Amen. Great. We're going to close things there. If you have got kids, please do go and pick them up. And please do thank the kids workers for all their work this term. If you'd like to get prayed for, do come forward and there'll be some of us available to pray.